0: Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons.
1: Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, I figured I'd start with just a little update about my mom. Uh, she, the uh, Last week I told you she, had, she got a pacemaker. She became a bionic woman. And uh, she was still having some anxiety stuff. She did end up in the hospital one more time with an anxiety issue. Um, she spent overnight... They worked on medications and trying to figure out what they need to do to kind of keep her level and get some sleep. And with my mom, her panic attacks or anxiety attacks, however you want to call them, they seem to launch from her being worried about not sleeping. And so they've been working with helping her to get to sleep and things of that nature. Um, she's, uh, she's home. She's been home for most of the week. Uh, as far as I know, things have been going okay. They gave her a little bit of a stronger sleeping medicine uh, to help her sleep. Uh, and then she's going to get in-home, uh, care visits as part of a rehabbing at home. And at first she refused to, uh, get it, but, um... You know, then she's thought about it some more and she's thought you know it's probably a good idea that I get the in-home care so they called up to get that started yes let's do that and then uh, I'll do that and so she has to stay home for a bit there I was kind of confused and what why would she have to stay home it's, it's just be there for the when the home care person comes in and then you got the rest of the week or whatever to do what you want well my younger brother explained because he has someone that uh, is part of uh, someone he knows, their family, had this. You know, the the agreement was uh, instead of going into some kind of a rehab center, they go home and rehab at home, and which and it means they have to stay home for a, a period of time while they recuperate and while they strengthen or do whatever the task that the doctors want the patient to do, and then they they send in a home care. Medical specialist to come over and to help with that—a nurse of some sort—and um, and that was the agreement. So I was a little confused that. My younger brother explained it. that That's what's going on. So well, then that makes sense. Why mom kept saying, "Well, I can't leave the house." Of it. Well, she can if she wants to get her hair cut. If there's you know, there's a couple allowances, but for the most part, they want her to stay in the house until you know, until this process is gotten through. So that's. There's that, and then there's also, um, you know, the the, the the siblings, the kids, have had some uh, uh, discussions on what we should be doing going forward because our parents are getting old, and, you know, there's certain eventualities that we need to prepare for. So, you know, it's something that families all over the world are faced with at some point as they have aging parents, that there's something that needs to be figured out about how to and how to make the transitions into different parts of life as they come about in those golden years. Uh, so uh, I dropped by tonight, uh, earlier tonight. I was driving by the house, and I didn't see the living room light on. I thought, hey, aren't they supposed to be home? And it was it was after 8. I was finishing up uh, work, and I was heading home. I thought, well, I'll pop in. So I go around to the back, and I go. I see that my mom's She has a a little sitting room that she watches TV and does her coloring and puzzles in the paper and things like that. I see the lights on in there, so I go in. So, well, Dad has been spending time in that room with her, watching whatever on TV. Mom says, I let your father watch whatever he wants to watch. I'm just glad that he's sitting in here with me, and it's nice to have him here. You know, That's nice. So I stopped by, and we visited for a little bit and just saw what's going on and how she's doing and, and that kind of thing. But I just felt a little weird because I drove by the house and that light's not on in the front room. It's a little early for dad going to bed. Hmm. (laughs) Well, turns out that's what the reason was. They're hanging out together a little bit more. And then as I was leaving, and this is just, you know, my dad took me aside and just said, I'm really glad you stopped by tonight. It's what your mom needed. You know, just to have somebody else other than me to talk to to have you uh, come in and have that i mean me you know uh, my dad's telling me this come in and just you know talk and get her you know it's, it's get our minds off things and help that helps and i said well, hey you know i just wanted i thought i should check in so okay um so that's where it's at right now let's hope it stays there there's been some uh some more unrest in the country in the last few days, uh, the center point of this one is Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm not going to go into the deep details or anything like that because I don't know enough of them. But it's um, you know police shootings, African American kid was shot, straight, and then tensions are high. And uh, you know, some stuff has happened. Some stuff happened. Uh, some rioting, some breaking of windows, and that kind of thing, had happened here in uh, in Minneapolis over the last night or two. There was a curfew set uh, last night, just a precaution. And it's a, yeah, I wish I had easy answers. I don't. Um, it's just. Uh, and in the aftermath of the Kenosha uh, police incident, there you know stuff's going on, and people came from out of state. You know they talk about how uh, the people that are causing the trouble, you know, that the rioters, let's say, which started out peacefully, but as the evening comes, it gets it gets riotous. And that is that because the police stepped in and sparked things, or is it just who knows? I don't know. Uh, but. They say, oh, they, 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 you know, they, they come from out of state, just to cause trouble. Well, we do know that uh, some other people came from out of state to protect property uh, with their guns. And one of them was a 17-year-old kid who's been accused of shooting a couple of people. You know, we'll say in self-defense, killed a couple of people. That's what he's accused of. And he's a white kid and we saw him walking around he's got a gun hanging around his his from off his shoulder and he and police cars are zooming by and this is i think is after he's done some shooting and he raises his hands but the cop cars go right by him i don't think they would have gone right by him if he had been black i don't know that to be the case but i don't think that would have happened and so that we're still seeing some Strange things, and the strangest thing was watch uh, was some of the Republican National Convention, which just took place, where half of the keynote speakers were related to the president. That seems rather North Korean-ish to me. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, okay, I will say this to you now. I'm beginning to feel it again. He's going to get reelected. I know. I know. I had I, I said that after he was impeached. I said uh, he's now become the second elected president to have been impeached. Bill Clinton was the first. Uh, Andrew, ja- uh, Andrew Johnson was the first president ever to be impeached, but he was not elected. He assumed office when uh, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, and you know he was impeached. So there's three presidents who have been impeached. And Donald Trump is one of them. And I said, after the after the acquittal by the Senate, doesn't mean he wasn't impeached. He was still impeached. He's been an impeached president. He uh, he he. The Senate laid down and said, "Okay," but one senator, uh, Mitt Romney, stood up and said, "No, I can't. I have to vote to convict. I just I have to go with my conscience." He, he he betrayed the trust, and he should not be president. And he knew that, you know, he's one, the one Republican senator that, that voted to to boot him, uh, to, to convict him. And the rest of them just said, no, nope, not going to do it. Uh, he learned his lesson. Uh, he learned his lesson with uh, the, the impeachment. He'll still be a good boy now. He learned his lesson. Yep, that's how it is. And I was talking to my parents about this earlier tonight, and I said... You know, it's at this point or at that point when it happened that just God damn it! Why did George uh, John McCain have to, uh, John McCain have to die? If he'd if he'd sw- if he was still alive, I think I think I'm correct in this. If he were still alive, he would have stood with Mitt Romney and all the rest of the stuff the same. He would have stood with Mitt Romney and voted to convict President Trump. After the impeachment, and I think because uh, it was John McCain and he 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 held a lot more weight with the Senate than Mitt Romney did, I think there would be other Republicans that would have come in line. I think I think I McCain would have gotten up there and said, "Uh uh-uh. uh, nope, he's betrayed the trust." But McCain died, so we don't have his voice we don't have i i think i think he would have i don't think he but i don't know i guess we'll never know so and i said after that acquittal by the senate i said okay so he's now the second president uh, to have been elected and then and impeached he's the second he he will be the first president to have been impeached to have been elected impeached and reelected and I'm back there again. Not as it's just it's just the pessimist in me, I guess. That just cannot. I just see it. I I, I don't understand how his supporters don't see his flaws. I don't understand it. They just if you corner on something, they'll just turn around and tell you fake news. It's I and maybe I'm being unfair. It's just. I just don't. I, I I think he's going to get reelected. I I was talking with a friend today, and the friend said he he says, you know he said to me Jim. He says, I I really do think he could shoot somebody. He could kill somebody on Fifth Avenue in New York City on camera. Everybody sees him do, do it live on television, and his supporters would still say, yep. They probably well that person had it coming, had it coming, yeah. They deserved it. That's the kind of president we've got. The kind of get stuck done. You know, it's just I, uh, and I and I I I think he might be right. <laughs> it's we thought Reagan was the Teflon president. <laughs> and the buck doesn't stop with Trump. No. He's not responsible for anything. The buck doesn't stop with him. No. No way. Anyway, uh, it's it, I just that's what I'm seeing maybe I'm at a low point uh, that's what I'm seeing I'm just seeing I told you I have a fantasy a dream to see the board the election board let me it, it, uh, all lit up blue every state Texas Florida Alaska every state lit up blue you know, you know a redux of 1984 except. It goes blue instead of red. Now, 1984. I must bring this up. uh, Talk about this since I brought it up. 1984 was the first year that I was able to vote for president. And if you've forgotten, it was Ronald Reagan running for his second term against uh, Vice uh, Former Vice President Walter Mondale. Mondale was the vice president with Jimmy Carter, who Reagan beat in 1980. And uh, Mondale got the nomination, and uh, yeah, and Walter Mondale is a native from Minnesota, a native Minnesotan, I should say, not a native from his. He's a native Minnesotan, and of course, Minnesota is like you know, it's our guy. And Minnesota, coincidentally, was the only state he carried in 1984. It's the only state, uh, and. Uh, I, I think he also carried uh, Washington D.C., but that was it. Everything else was red. So uh, my friend John, uh, friend from high school, he and I went and voted together. And he said, "Now, once we did that, we, and, and later on, we said we, we have to go. We have to go to the civic center, the St. Paul Civic Center, downtown St. Paul, because that was where uh, Walter Mondale was going to be, you know, celebrating his victory. Uh, that was the hope." But even then, even before the election, we were pretty sure that uh, Reagan was going to win in a landslide. We were pretty sure it was an uphill battle for, for Walter. And so so, he, so John and I, we, we did. We went to the Civic Center. John said, hey, we should do it. It's a once-in-a-lifetime chance to be there with the guy that you know was, at least I, I'd seen in person, a former vice president. <laughs> seen them and uh, so we went and we hung out we walked in as I this is memory and memory's not videotaped so it might be might not be accurate but from what I can recall I think we, we, we went down there the polls were closed in Minnesota and we went on in and we they monitors all over the place TV monitors all over the place and we just saw red maps of the United States you know of all those areas where the state said the polls had closed and been called for Reagan we just saw it, it was just like, uh, and then so we hung out and we waited for a while and then at some point uh, Mondale came in with his family and walked up the uh, the long, you know, gently sloping ramp up to the stage, and uh, and you know gave his concession speech, and said the thing is like, okay, we wish Re- Ronald Reagan well. We we ran a good campaign. I'm proud of the organization and all that kind of stuff. And he says, we we you know we are Americans. We move forward together. He, Ronald Reagan is, will be our president, and and we hope he does well. That kind of stuff. Which is not what you're going to hear from Trump. Should he lose in this upcoming election, he will not sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, maybe, maybe it might surprise you. I don't know. So, and the, one of the funny things of the of the moment of the the, the of Mondale's family coming in and walking up there was, uh, you know, it's up front is Walter and his wife, and uh, and then their kids with the daughter, Eleanor Mondale, who was quite young at the time. Well, not real, real, real young. She was older than me, I suppose. But uh, but she was young, and she was interactive. <laughs> and the crowd would surge to shake hands with Walter, you know, get, oh, sure, but when... when it just seemed to me that the crowd surged just a little bit more when Eleanor got by. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> uh, it could just be me creating a memory that isn't true, but that's I remember chuckling to myself at that at the time. So that's what we can hope for. Well, um, I'm going to take a break. And I will be back because uh, I I want to take a break, and I do that in this show so I can have a sip of beer and just kind of relax for a minute or two. And uh, when I get back, uh, I'm going to try to be fair.
0: Getting mm-hmm. get easy, please. Wake, up, wake up listen to Z Talk Radio on ZTalk Radio.com Don't just take my word for it but you are listening to Dim Land Radio on Z Talk Radio Network If this station's not your cup of tea, huh? then drink coffee! 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 <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news, 100% information, 100% guaranteed. Thought you might
1: say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I realized I didn't, uh, you know, give the proper sign-off before going into that break. Jeez, uh, almost jumped back in, but I didn't want to interrupt the uh, Talking Heads tune that was playing us out. So, yeah, You've, you're okay with that, aren't you? All right. Now, um, okay. To be fair across the social media in the aftermath of the Democratic National Convention, which took place you know a week before this past week right or was you know it took place. to be fair, uh, there is a uh, there is a claim going around the social media saying that in the Dem- in the in the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, Whenever the pledge of allegiance was was uh, recited, they had you know, which apparently it was done frequently throughout the uh, uh, throughout those three or four days that they have the their sort of convention. It, it was it was like a Zoom thing, a lot not not a lot of audience as far as you know in in front of a live audience kind of thing. It was mostly in little areas with maybe a few people watching, but mostly the speakers just speaking and and trying to keep things flowing uh but you know with time delays and stuff it's it got a little awkward here and there but and i guess i, I guess as far as i know they started each day with a pledge of allegiance and what they would do is these these video montages of of it they would have all kinds of american diversity of people shown in, in them doing segments of the pledge of allegiance, you know, cutting through all the way whole all the way through. And the claim is that the Democrats took the two words under God out of the pledge of allegiance for the the DNC. Which uh, which the which USA today, the fact checkers there looked at it and said, ah, uh, no, that's not true." I could play the it's not true theme, but uh, it's not true. Uh, they, the Democrats did not take Under God out of the pledge. Uh, they had, uh, I don't know, three or four videos that, that, that they, they posted these things on, uh, on, on the page on, in USA Today online. And I'll link to that on the show notes. You can get to that by going to dimland.com and clicking on the show notes. Uh, I'll link to it so you can watch it. And they have, you know, one of them is this cute little kid doing it all on his own. And he says, under God. And they all, everybody says, under God. It's there. It's there. So it's just it's just a, a complete lie that it's not there. Now, when I posted this on Facebook, I posted it under the, to be fair, you know, as part of the fact checking, I put, I posted that up. And most people you know, commented you know, positively about it. There was one person that commented, and this person happens to be someone that's fairly high up in the skeptical movement. It's fairly prominent in the skeptical movement, such it is these days. Um, and he has, on occasion, commented on my posts. And from what I've seen him comment, he might have a certain conservative uh, viewpoint, not necessarily liberal, uh, or, or, you know, it seems like it might be. And he was saying, well, uh, he was claiming that that the post that I put up was misleading because the Democrats don't, they took under God out of the pledge when they do their council meetings or something. And I had, you know, I fired back, well, fired, I responded by saying the claim was not whether or not the Democrats say it at their council meetings, the claim was that the the, uh, under God words were not part of the Pledge of Allegiance during the Democratic National Convention. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they don't say it in there. Now, I've talked about this in the past. I'm an atheist. And from an atheist point of view, having under God in there is not welcome. (laughs) Uh, it, it's and it's and I've talked about this in the past, being that it's 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 kind of ironic that the the placement of the words under God, because it's 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 jammed into the Pledge of Allegiance, so it hadn't been around for a while. It'd been around for a while, and sometime in the '50s, as a way to show those godless commies over in the Soviet Union that we ain't godless. Oh, I hate those commies. Uh, we put under God in there. We put in God that we trust in our money, you know. So, so we got the under God into the Pledge of Allegiance. Stuffed it in there. We stuck it in there in the in the part of the uh, pledge that says "One Nation, Indivisible, with Liberty and Justice for All." We stuck it in between the One Nation and Indivisible. We stuck. It, we jammed it in there, which is in itself putting a lie to the Indivisible. Part because we're lopping out a whole segment of our po- the population of the United States, we are we are pushing them out of the tent. We are saying you don't have a place at the table when we throw under God in there. We are saying that we are divisible. There are those of us who believe in God, and you guys are included in this, of course. <laughs> you know it tends to be a particular God and but those of you who believe in multiple gods or don't believe in any gods you're out. Okay, your viewpoints are not you know, are not included in our in our pledge. We had to we had to push this little religion thing in there. And those of you without religion, well, you know, you're screwed. Okay? We don't care. You know, no room for you at the table. And if you have multiple gods, you can go join them, at the kids' table in the other room. You know, it's just then. So that's so. From my perspective as an atheist, I don't think under God should be in there as it is. Now I suppose we can go even wider. Do we need a pledge of allegiance? But you know. But okay. So to be fair, the Democrats didn't take under God out of the pledge during the Democratic National Convention okay now to be fair there's another story that's been roaming around the social media another claim that's been that's been roaming around and that claim is that first lady melania trump uh, who has uh, overseen the renovations of the rose garden the white house rose garden has chopped down the cherry trees that were in that rose garden the cherry trees that were planted by Jack Jackie Kennedy back in 1962 when Jackie Kennedy did renovations of the rose garden uh, you know so i mean Jackie didn't actually plant them and Melania didn't actually cut down the cherry trees well it, you know they had somebody else do it okay well here's the it's not true again i could have played the it's not true theme but i'm doing to be fair First off, they weren't cherry trees; they were crabapple trees. That's the first correction. And again, this, this comes from the USA Today uh, online site, and they link to stuff on there. So I again, I'll link to it. Go to dimland.com. Go to the show notes, and you'll 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 find the links to the the, uh, the USA Today articles, and you'll be able to link to their sources and all that. So okay, so they were crabapple trees. Uh, and they were not cut down. They were, you know, unplanted. <laughs> they were taken up out of the garden and uh, to, uh, and were uh, removed, to put somewhere where they can be cared for, and then relocated somewhere else on the White House grounds. That's what, USA today has put, has put it and that's what that's what and they were citing whatever their source was saying that's the plans of what to do with these crab apple trees. And why were the crab apple trees taken out of the gardens? Well, as recently as the 1980s when Nancy Reagan was the uh, first lady, there were talks of doing uh, renovating the the rose garden area and removing the crab apple trees. Because they were beginning to overgrow the garden, so uh, but I guess nothing. I, I guess it didn't happen then. Uh, you know, Iran Contra probably got in the way or something. I, who knows? But for whatever reason, it didn't happen. So now with Melania in there, they should, they, they they redid the deal. And what they did was, with these renovations, was to return the the uh, rose garden to the footprint that it had. Pre 1962, uh, before the 1962 renovations that Jackie uh, Jackie Kennedy uh, oversaw. There's another claim, further claim in there. Not only did Melania cut down the cherry trees, but she also, uh, you know, destroyed or uprooted or got rid of. You know, century old rose bushes that had been planted by Ellen Wilson back in nineteen thirteen. She was the first lady uh, at that time. She was Woodrow Wilson's wife. and And if you know some history about Woodrow Wilson, he had, I think he had a stroke of some kind, something, something that made him kind of put him out of commission for a little bit. And his wife did a lot of the governing it was a secret there was people that she worked with but she kind of filled in for him this if i'm if i have my history correct i hope i do but anyway so it's it's so that's not true either because uh, uh usa today they consulted a horticulturist who says that roses are fussy rose bushes are not going to last a hundred years you're going to need to replace them, and, they, and so it's not likely that the the rose bushes that might have been removed uh, uh, because they were you know dying or you know aging out or whatever uh, needed to be replaced. It does. It's not likely that they were planted by uh, Ellen Wilson or whoever she had do it. So, so it's not true that. Cherry, they were cherry trees or crab apples. They were removed and they will be replanted and the rose bushes were not you know, taken out from 1930s. That stuff's not true. A, and the other thing about this renovation, bringing it back to the footprint that it had in 19, pre-1962, was also to make it uh, more compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act. That was also what they did in, in this renovation. So, Okay. All right. So to be fair, you don't need to be making stuff up about Melania Trump because everybody hates the Trumps. Now, I will say this, and hopefully, I will still be seeming to be fair here. Um, I had a, a, a at least one person who's a friend, someone I know and is personally a friend. Um, Say something about the, the the renovations, the way the gardens look now, is ugly. And I said, well, you know, that's subjective. That's just, that's your point of view. Somebody else might look at it and say, it's wonderful. It's delightful. And I also, and this is me trying to just say, are you, are you saying that because of who did it? Would you have had the same reaction if it was Michelle Obama? Who forced, who did the the same renovations while her husband was president? Would you have had the same reaction as you're having to uh, it being Melania Trump who was in charge of this, or or would you have said, "Oh, it's delightful"? I mean, think about it. Think about you know this is it's, I had another person uh, mention that this a lot of this is like team sports. It's my team, and I'm happy for my team. And I don't like what the other teams do. But, you know, try to give some credit where it's due. Blame where it's due. And try to see if... Geez, am I being object- objecting to this because I just don't like the person who did it? So, you know, and it's subjective. Some people don't like the way roses look. Some people don't, you know would rather you know, have the the crab apple trees taking over everything but that's just you know i don't know. it's just a personal opinion so try not to you know well just see am i clouding this by being upset about who did it and not exactly what was done anyway all right so that's to be fair just to be fair now i'm going to take a break You are listening to Dimland Radio at Z Talk Radio Network. I'm going to take my second break. This is your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I will return shortly.
0: Other guys, the finger.
1: You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Are you looking for a science based medical podcast to answer all your questions about health? Check out the body of evidence. Whether you're curious about the potential benefits of omega 3s or the potential risks of vaping, we take a look at the body of evidence to separate the noise, the hype, the lies from actual scientific rigor. We do it with comedy skits. The only logical thing to do is for me to take off all my clothes and run into the street. No, remember the first rule of podcasting. Always keep your pants on. With jingles. Some are thrilled,
0: some are not. You'll lose that hair if you stop propitiating.
1: And by, you know, discussing what the evidence has to say on the topic at hand. Or unless that is a pill. But yeah, it has, it has the side effects of bloating, gas, and greasy stool, which makes it very unpleasant. The body of evidence. Find it at bodyofevidence.ca or on your favorite podcast app, The Body of Evidence, medicine that tastes funny and science made easy.
0: He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Ztalk Radio Network. You're listening to Ztalk. Radio Network.
1: back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I just wrote the word talk four times. Is writing in my show notes book here, my show prep book, and I write down the names of the songs that I play as the bumpers in and out of breaks, and I just wrote talk, 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 because that song was a song called Talk, Talk by the band Talk. Talk. Uh, see, so I just wrote talk, 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 talk. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. That's why you tune in to dimline Radio to get these little things, isn't it? Okay. Uh, as you may know, longtime listeners to my show know that I, I work for a comic book store uh, part time, uh, about ten hours a week. And uh, I, um, what I do is I go in each Saturday. I, I uh, bring in a box of about 100 comic books, 150 comic books that I had taken home the week before, bring them in, and I put them on the shelves and everything. Now, what I had done with them in that previous week was uh, I brought them home, and I go into our online catalog, and I enter in those books into the inventory so that when people order stuff online, you know, they can see that we've oh, they've got that book now and, and, and get the stuff. Uh, so I've been doing that. Uh, we shut the store down for about a month or so, but then I, we started back to doing that, and we're we are now doing in-store s- sales on weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, the owner of the store is is doing what he can to make that viable uh up until this and then that started last weekend up until then what we had done was uh mail orders we'd mail stuff out or if people wanted to pick some up at the store they could set up an appointment and the boss would would be there and get you know meet them and you know bring them out curbside or whatever so we'll see how we can go because you know this pandemic has uh you know it's uh it's still here it's still something covid is still a thing y'all so, you know, well, and I, and I enjoy, so it, I, I, I enter them in line, bring them to the store, put them away, and then grab another batch, bring it home, enter it online, bring them to the store. You know, I do that each week. And I kind of enjoy that, especially when I'm working with Marvel Comics, because those are the comic books that I particularly enjoy. But the DC Comics that I'll do, and Harvey's and all those, they, they have their enjoyments. Well, I was, uh, um, I was working on a batch of comic books this past week, and I got to one, uh, it was a Marvel comic book, uh, it's the Daredevil, Daredevil title, Man Without Fear. Uh, it's issue number 133, with the cover date of May 1976, 1976, and I uh, I didn't notice it at first, but as I started to enter in the information that, I, that I'll enter, I'll put in all sorts of information, really. Um, whether we have it, you know, what's the price? Uh, what's the condition? What you know? What grade has been given? You know? What condition is it in? And then I'll put in stuff like you know, who drew the cover? Who wrote the book? Who's the artist for the interior pages? Uh, that kind of stuff. I'll put in you know, and what characters? Appear in the comic book. I'll put that information in there too. Uh, so I got to this one, and there had been some information previously entered uh, for this particular comic book, and I just update it with whatever new information I can put in there. And I noticed a name in there and under the appearances, and the name was Uri Geller. 70s spoon-bending sensation, Uri Geller. A fellow from Israel who may have gotten his powers from extraterrestrials, who imbued him with these psychic powers and telekinetic powers and telepathy and all whatever he would claim, which manifested itself in bending spoons and keys... Uh, drawing pictures that you know that somebody else has drawn, you know, just kind of uh, doing that, getting stopwatches to start, uh, and let's see, what was another trick? Um, predicting which uh, of several little film canisters, you know, kids back in the day, we had this stuff called film that you would put in cameras, and you would take pictures with that, and the film would be exposed to the light and the, you know, the, the little picture would then be transferred to that film and then you take that film and you bring it to somebody who would develop it into actual pictures they would develop the film into negatives and from there they could make photographs for you that's what they did in the old days and and that film would come in these little canisters sometimes they'd be little metal canisters or they'd be plastic canisters but there were these little you know uh, i don't know two feet or two feet two inches Tall inch and a half, you know, circular thing. And what Uri would do is, he would have you know, somebody would fill one with water, and they'd set it out with ten of them on a plate or something. And Uri would just kind of shift the plate around and look around, and, he'd, and he'd, he'd find the one that had water in it. That was a trick he did, uh, and he had a couple others, I think. And he became a media sensation. All over the place. He, the, he, he. Just he was really something. You know, it's just all oh, look at this guy. He's got this paranormal ability. He fooled the scientists at the Stanford Research Institute, which isn't affiliated with Stanford University. But when they say Stanford, people think, oh, Stanford. Fooled a couple scientists over there, whose uh, whose uh, field is not psychology or or physics or something. It's lasers. I guess uh, that's what they were. That's the science, kind of scientists they were. Fooled them, you know, in bending keys and bending spoons. And it's, okay. Um, well, it's, so this comic book comes out in 1976, and it, that's at the height of Geller's Gellerness. <laughs> and I, I looked at it and said, you're kidding me, the cover. Okay, and I will put this on the show notes page. You can get it there to see the cover. It shows uh, a, a Daredevil bouncing around uh, this uh, this futuristic-looking tank with a glass dome on the top of it, and there's some character inside the glass dome, and Daredevil's seen jumping around, and he's being shot at by the tank. And uh, the fellow inside the glass dome inside the tank is saying, uh, "No matter which way you turn, Daredevil, uh, Daredevil, you can't escape Mind Wave and his fearsome Think Tank." <laughs> That's comic books for you. Uh, mind Wave is an ESP guy. He's got psychic abilities. And he can do stuff, right? And he can predict what he can read Daredevil's mind. So he knows which way Daredevil's going to jump. He, he knows what punch he's going to throw. He knows what he's going to do because he could read he read his mind. See. So uh, then uh, on the cover. So the cover shows that tank. It shows Daredevil jumping around and some people running in fear. And there's one fellow in the lower right-hand corner of, of, of the comic book cover. Uh, he's got his hand up in the air and he's, he's in profile and he's looking concerned. He's looking at Daredevil. And there's, a, there's a, 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 a narration box that's drawn in the shape of an arrow. You know, The right side of the box is pointing to the guy. And it says, A city in danger and only one man can help. The most shocking guest star of all, the incomparable Uri Geller, and I thought, what's he gonna do? Bend spoons? Daredevil, you need help here. Let me bend these spoons for you. Think of an object, draw something for me, and just picture it in your mind, and I'll and I'll and I'll draw it for you. That's can I can I find water in a film canister? Do you have a film canister on you? I'll find which one has water in it. Can that help? Seriously. So I, of course, had to read this. <laughs> so I took it out of its bag, and I sat down, and I read it. And, uh, okay, so what what Uri would do, he would do these tricks, right? And he'd bend a spoon, and how he how he would, he'd bend it with his mind. But for some reason, he had to hold it in his hands. If you're going to bend this spoon, Uri, I've got a spoon. I'm ho- I'll hold the spoon in my hand. I'll hold it over here. You stay about four feet away from me, so you can't touch the spoon. Now, I want you to bend it with your mind. And he wouldn't be able to do it. And he'd say, well, my negative energies is interfering with his bullshit. So, okay. And when he bends a spoon, it's because he physically bends the spoon. He knows what to do as a magician to misdirect people. Direct their attention somewhere else while he's bending the spoon with his hands and physically bending the spoon. And then he holds the spoon in such a way so that the scooper part of the spoon is in his in his hand. And then he takes his finger to the handle of the spoon, which looks like it's hold, held you know, straight, level, you know, uh, le- parallel to the ground, right? And so he starts he starts rubbing this the spot on the spoon, and the spoon starts to bend upward. As he does this, he's rubbing it with his, with his free hand that's not holding the spoon, with a finger just kind of rubbing it. So the person's eyes looking at the finger rubbing back and forth on the spoon and looking at the spoon going up into the air, but they're not looking at what his other hand's doing because what he's doing is he's already bent the spoon. He's already done that. He's holding the scooping part, and he's just subtly moving his, the hand that he's holding the spoon with in to, so that he's shifting it so that the handle starts to appear to be bending upward. And then he holds. Then he takes it off his hand. Look! Look! I see, it's bent. See! Look! It's bent. And everybody goes, "Oh, look! He bent the spoon. That's great! How's that going to help us?" That's what he does. And then there's tricks that he does to do the drawing thing, you know, and and, and and you know things that he does. And and James Randy, the amazing Randy, has done some exposing of of Geller. In fact. In 1973, Geller was already making a name for himself around the world. Everybody's all thrilled about Geller, and Johnny Carson is the king of late night television. He has Uri as a guest on the Tonight Show, and Johnny has a background of being a magician, and he was seeing what was going on, and he thought this is this is bullshit. He was friends with James Randi, so he contacts Randi and he says, "How do we? I want to have him on." I want to, you know, just see how can we keep him from doing his tricks. So the, the main thing that Randy did for them was he said you need to supply all the stuff that you want him to work with. You need to supply it. Um, and you don't and you don't let him or any of his people have any contact with it until he's on camera. And you don't, you know, you just set it up. So they got it all set up and and and, and he was flummoxed he got on he couldn't do a thing he sat next between johnny and ricardo montavon who was one of the other guests on the show sat there between them and couldn't do it and he was making excuses and he was you know it's just like boy i feel like i'm being pressured and johnny said no 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 i just want you to you know just go ahead just just take your time go ahead they went to a commercial break they came back and during the commercial break everybody he was saying i'm just not feeling strong i'm just not i'm just not you know feeling it so you know right there in front of millions of people Geller had a colossal failure. And I was reading about this on the Wikipedia page, and uh, which I'm sure this page was updated by the Gorilla skeptics uh, uh, on Wikipedia, whatever, Gorilla skepticism on Wikipedia, G.S.O.W., uh, Susan Gerbeck's group of people that they go in and they, they, they become editors on wikipedia and they follow the rules in editing and they make sure that the pages are clean and good and accurate and they do a lot of stuff with the bullshit you know encounter it and i'm sure it's been dealt with so they they did say that the wikipedia page says the carson performance didn't hurt them they thought ah and and gallery was even saying oh, i'm finished but no, the Merv Griffin Show calls them and has them come on, and they don't control for anything. Uh, now, I tried to find the footage of of, uh, of, um, of Geller on, on the Merv Griffin Show, and I couldn't, but I can find the uh, the appearance on The Tonight Show. I can find some with, with, uh, with James Randi talking about it. Uh, and I can find some other stuff with James Randi talking about some other things that that uh, Geller's been caught doing, and and one of these neat little things that uh, James Randi did, reproducing the trick of drawing something that Barbara Walters had already drawn, and and had set aside. So and and Randi was able to rise to the challenge. Oh, he was a clever man. He's a clever man. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'll include links to all this stuff. You can you can check it out. But Geller went on, and that was 1973, so now he's in a Marvel comic book. And in the comic book, so the story goes: um, all right, he's in the story, he, uh, Geller is able to uh, communicate telepathically with the bad guy, with Mindwave. Apparently, the two of them had crossed swords before in other parts of the world, and, uh, and Geller had, had, had thwarted him there. And uh, he, so he can do that, and he can bend, he, he bends a crowbar, a crowbar. He, Geller has never bent a crowbar. He bends things that like keys and spoons, forks. And it, certain kinds of spoons and forks and ladles and things that have, that have a, a, a thinner metal to it. If it's real thick, that's going to be hard to bend. It's going to be hard to just take it and bend it like he does. So, uh, he's never bent a crowbar with his mind, but he does it in the comic book. He's got it in his hand, and it and it bends. And he also bends uh, bars off of uh, uh, like that are in front of a window. He has them kind of bend and reach down and grab this mind wave guy and imprison him. He does that, and he senses. You know, if at some point, he's Daredevil, and him are trying to 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 locate. This mind wave guy, and Geller's up on the top of a building. He, he senses, oh, he's over there. He's on the east side, lower east. Oh, he's over there. <laughs> Whatever. So it's just, that's the stuff he does. And it's, it's just, yeah, in a comic book, well, yeah, you can do anything in a comic book. If you can draw it, you can do it. And of course, but that's not what real life is that's not and they give his little origin where he was he saw some light and he was imbued with some powers and and all this kind of crap not only that on the uh, in each um, comic book back in the day uh, they probably still do it there would be uh, some pages set aside inside for uh, um, checklists of a product that was, you know, books that are coming out that month, so you can see what's coming out so you can look for them on your newsstand there's, uh, you know, how do, you know maybe ads to, or to become a fan member of Marvel there's uh, letters to the editor's page there's an editor page where they might give some information about stuff going on uh, Stan Lee would usually have what he would call his soapbox, where he would, might do a little editorial well, in this issue, the, uh, the the writer of this story and editor of the story, a fellow named Marv Wolfman, that's his name, Wolfman, that's his actual name, wrote up about uh, Uri Geller being in this comic book. And uh, uh, Marv writes that he was called up to Stanley's office, and Stanley says, He says, Marv, I, I want to have. Uri Geller! We gotta get him in a comic book. Oh, that'd be great to get Uri Geller in a comic book. He's really hot right now. Let's get him in a comic book. So, okay, so then Marv Wolfman meets Geller at something, and he and Geller bends one of Marv's keys and somebody else's key, and he does the drawing trick, and and Wolfman is completely, you know, uh, floored by this. He's a believer, and he writes up this story and puts him in there. Ugh. <sighs> So, I'm thinking of buying this one. <laughs> Just so I can have it in my collection. It's... <sighs> you know, I'm in the wrong... Not wrong... With, uh, uh, business or something. I, 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 have, I have ethics. I don't pretend to be able to do these tricks. I don't know. But he ends up in a comic book. Good old Uri Geller. <laughs> well, he has since kind of said that he does tricks. He'll wink, though. I don't have supernatural powers, and he winks. Yeah, uh, he's kind of done that. He's he's sued people. He sued James Randi, but he, he just, he, he's he's. Uh, it's just so sad to to see this and how gullible people are. And you know, Marvel Comics. They already have a character who can read minds. They already have characters that can bend things. They already have that. Uh, Professor X, uh, Xavier, uh, Charles Xavier, the uh, the head of the X Men. Uh, he can read minds. Magneto. He's got the ability to you know do stuff with metal. He can make it do anything he wants. So he could bend stuff. You know, <laughs> the you know the Hulk could bend things with his. You know, I mean, in comic books, you can do anything. You can take a mild mannered scientist. And have him get angry and turn into this, you know, sizable uh, green monster with of super strength. So you can have that happen because it's a comic book. You can have a mild mannered doctor who has a little bit of a limp and walks with a cane, and when he taps his, his this walking stick on the ground, he becomes the mighty Thor. He, you can have that in comic books. So why put Geller in there? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I wonder how it's sold. And and I wonder if they were thinking, boy, if this is really big, we could do a line of comics of Uri Geller. That would be, that would be stupid. <laughs> well, you know, it's just yeah, well, it's it's interesting work working at a comic book store. You just never know what you're going to find.
0: Good night, our doctor. Good night, Frau Blucker.
1: Uh, the end of another show. Well, as I always say, or I should say, um, uh, be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, especially the, not the kind of crap that Geller used to give. Good evidence. Um, be patient. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Stay home. Stay safe. And sleep with the lights off. Oh, and this is Jim Fitzsimmons, Dr. Dim. you know. And it's dimly See you next week. Boy, I cocked up the end of that. Has been a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks, thanks for, for tuning us in.